Hi, I'm Andy McDonald, Senior Pastor of Whole Life Church here in Orlando, Florida. We're a multi-ethnic, multicultural, multi-generational congregation, a faith community committed to our mission to love people into lifelong friendship with God. And we're committed to our vision to be a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. Thank you for joining us as we continue Speaking of Grace. I ran out of first service today. As soon as the service was over, I mean, I literally ran out the door and uh, made my way to get my second COVID shot. Of all the times they could schedule me for a COVID shot, they scheduled it for 11.40 on a Sabbath morning. Uh, so, so I went early, and sure enough, I walked right in, and they greeted me, and I walked right through, just filmed some paperwork out, and was able to get back. So if I fall down and start foaming at the mouth and going into convulsions, <laughs> um, you'll know why. At least, I have, at least I have an excuse today. That's just a good thing. Things to remember is the, the name of the, this last series of sermons for the month of March. And, and I, as I thought about the sermons this month, I really, really want, wanted to remind you of things that I've often talked about with you over the years. And I wanted to charge you with just four things. I mean, can people probably remember four things, just four things to remember. First, we talked about last week. The first thing to remember was to fix your eyes on Jesus. We just sang about it. I mean, it's all about him. And so I suggested two ways, two ways that it's really a, a good way to focus our eyes on Jesus. The first was to memorize some of his teaching, to look at maybe the Sermon on the Mount and memorize those three chapters, put them in your head so that you have access, access all the time for his advice and his guidance. And you can help you remember to fix your eyes on Jesus. The second rec- uh, is to recognize in every person you meet, down to the least of these, my brethren, uh, as the actual person of Jesus. And as we focus on people and serving them, we're, we're loving them. And, and doing that, we are actually fixing our eyes on Jesus. He said, I was hungry and you fed me. That was Jesus. Well, today we come to our second thing that I really, 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 really want you to remember. Trust the gospel. Trust the gospel. I really want you to remember that that when I say trust the gospel, it's really one side of a two-sided coin. One side, trust the gospel. The other side, distrust false gospel. They're both very important. Our first step in order to be able to trust the gospel, remember to trust the gospel, is to identify exactly what is the gospel. What what is the gospel? Uh, How would you respond? How would we respond? If someone came up to you on the street this afternoon and said, hey, What's the gospel? Think, okay, well, well, gospel means good news. So the gospel is the good news. Well, that's, that's true. Would, would maybe we quote to them John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That sounds like pretty good news. So, so maybe, maybe that's the gospel, the good news. Or, or maybe it's what Paul writes in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Or maybe we'd be thinking about good news being in Romans from Romans chapter 10, verse 13. It says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
That's pretty good news. Maybe the good news, though, is is just the, of the gospel, simply knowing, knowing, having all this truth about the gospel. You know, in, in an intellectual church where you think a lot and have discussions, maybe just knowing it. And so Paul writes, now, now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have, uh, which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, we are saved if you hold firmly to the word I have preached to you. Otherwise, you may have believed in vain. For what I received, here it is, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, that Christ was buried, he was raised from the dead, according to the scriptures, and on the third day he came back, and, and that he appeared to Peter, and then he appeared to some of the other twelve. Each of these verses, each of these verses and others give us an idea or a piece, a piece, a part of the gospel. I went on to some websites uh, this week uh, about gardening, of all things, okay? And uh, they were declaring, literally, in the website, the good news of gardening. And, and they had all these, you know, stuff about gardening. And some talked about how gardening has had a, a real upsurge during the pandemic. People have wanted to do something with their hands and do something, period. And then one article went on about how it's good news that there's almost always, almost always something you can be doing about your garden. Even in off seasons, there's, there's things you ought to be doing for your garden, getting ready for the next season. If we talk to a gung-ho gardener, and there are some gung-ho gardeners out there, they want to tell us all the benefits and the blessings that come from gardening and all the good news of gardening, all the good news for us of really the reality is it's a very labor-intensive exercise. You know, you got to get your hands dirty. It's menial. You're down there in the dirt. and you got to engage with all of that stuff. A garden that is, a, is good news to oversee demands a lot of work from the gardener. I found a site that talked about the good news of, of woodworking. I was fascinated that these good news sites are out there, but it's great. There were nice creations. They showed pictures of these things they had made from wood, beautiful cutting boards uh, with all this wood that had been glued together and sanded perfectly and... Uh, but sort of like gardening, the good news of woodwork has a foundation in the word work. <laughs> it's work, hard, faithful, careful, precise, dedicated work to make these beautiful things of wood. Some hot rod or antique car enthusiasts may imagine they have good news about their cars and how you can take this rusted hunk of junk and turn it into a show car. But I'll just tell you, Danny, who was our host today, can tell you for sure that the journey from the purchase of the actual hunk of junk to a show car is a long, slow, arduous, bad news journey along the way uh, to get there. I'm afraid the church, the church globally, the church in some of its divisions, subdivisions like the uh, denomination, some of those subdivisions of the denomination, local churches down to you and I, uh, we may have been guilty of corrupting the good news. Stick with me, corrupting the good news. Actually taking the gospel and all the way from good news to making it bad news. Maybe that sounds a little harsh. Maybe you have a hard time imagining how can we take good news and make it bad news. Uh, maybe it would be difficult to imagine. So let's just go back for a moment and look at the verses that we just referenced about the good news. <clears throat> 
as we look at these texts, I want to challenge the notion of good news, challenge the notion of good news if any of the responsibility is left on us, okay? Because you think about gardening and woodworking and redoing an old hunk of junk into a beautiful show car, that's, that's left a lot of responsibility on us. True good news removes that from us, I believe. Our most famous Christian text, we just quoted it, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. When I read that text, the question really begs being asked, are we saved by our believing or is our salvation, our redemption accomplished quite apart from our belief or our skepticism? For those of you who may remember, in our denomination, the Seventh-day Adventist Church, uh, since the 1970s, when Morris, Van- Morris Venden almost single-handedly uh, helped turn us away from any, any sense of accomplishing our salvation, a true revival of righteousness by faith and salvation by grace alone. I loved when someone once asked about that time in the 70s, early 70s, asked, HMS Richards Sr. He was the old man at the time, had been the founder and speaker for the Voice of Prophecy radio broadcast. They asked him, Elder Richards, you know, what do you think about this righteousness by faith? <laughs> and his response was, I don't know if there's any other kind. You know, that's it. If you're going to have righteousness, it's going to be by faith. I thank God. I thank God for the influence of some really great preachers and teachers who have awakened us to salvation by faith alone and enabling us to to say unequivocally that we are not saved in any way whatsoever by our good works or our good deeds. And at the same time, at the same time, we've, we've held on to an insane value of the human side of the equation, the equation of salvation. Romans 10 verse 9 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. So so it looks like all these things we have to do along the way here. But that text may be just a recognition of reality and we make it into a causal action that we literalize to a legalistic status of human performance in order to receive the gospel. Some groups in Christianity require you to say the sinner's prayer. Uh, some say you have to have this verbal confession of your sins to Jesus and the Lord, to make him Lord, even the action to repent and believe, raising a hand, walking down the proverbial sawdust trail, you know, filling out a covenant or commitment card of some kind. You know, while these processes are valid and significant on the journey to Christ, they may be, if doing them is how I get the gospel If doing any of those things is how I get the gospel, then even though it's a small performance of mine, my salvation ends up being at least least partially my doing, not Christ's doing. And this kind of thinking robs Jesus of his glory. The almighty God of our universe found himself in a catch-22. How could he be both the just God and the justifier of sinners. 
How can he be completely merciful and just at the same time? You see, the, the mystery of iniquity had arisen in the universe and Lucifer turned Satan who wanted to be Come, God, to rise above God. And he, he made all these accusations that God was not fair or just. And Jesus, Jesus doesn't just come to this earth to save us. He comes to set that whole story straight. Jesus comes to retrace the steps where Adam fell and he retraces them perfectly. And this is why Paul writes this amazing passage in Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 to 22. For God in all his fullness, all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And and by him, God reconciled everything to himself. That's pretty inclusive. Everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of his blood on the cross. This includes you. It includes you who were once so far away from God. You were his enemy, separated from him by your evil thoughts and and actions. And yet now, now he has brought you back as his friends. He has done this through his death on the cross in his own human body. And as a result, he has brought you, listen to this, he has brought you into the very presence of God and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. I didn't write that. That's from Colossians chapter one. None, N-O-N-E of this is your doing. You didn't do it. Ephesians chapter two says that why, oh, this is amazing. While we were dead because of our sins, it was while we were dead because of our sins that he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Where were we when he raised Christ from the dead? You know? I mean, it was a long time before our time. While we were dead because of our sins, and listen, dead people don't contribute much to their resurrection. They're dead, you know? Verse five in Ephesians chapter two says, it is only by God's special favor that you have been saved. Not that you might be saved or could be saved or hope to be saved. Only by God's special favor have you been saved. Galatians, another one of Paul's books, teaches that we have received the full rights as heirs of God's kingdom. God has, in Jesus, redeemed us, made us part of the family. The reason that I'm so big on the gospel, and and, and if you've been attending this church for a long time, you haven't heard anything new yet today, have you? I mean, we've talked about this over and over and over. I am big on the gospel and I really want you to remember to trust the gospel is because of the freedom that it brings us. Not irresponsible, sin-chasing freedom, no, but freedom from performance anxiety. From performance anxiety. It's amazing how musicians, Richard, you know this, you can get them all prepared in the practice room. They do the music perfectly, singing, playing, whatever it is. They've got it. And then they step out on the stage in front of an audience and they have performance anxiety. Uh, Because the gospel, see, the gospel says to us that you are no longer under the law. I said that in an Adventist church. You are no longer under the law. Jesus, yeah, there you go, that's good. Jesus has performed perfectly, and it is his performance, not yours. 
it, it, it's his performance, not yours, that is being judged as ap- acceptable and worthy and absolutely perfect. Second Corinthians chapter 5 also says to us that, that God reconciled the world to himself in Christ. And then it tells us that the, the wonderful message, the, the good news of the gospel is this, that God, listen, God is no longer, no longer holding people's sins against them. That's good news. The church, we humans, fallen and sinful, we sort of want people to pay, don't we? You know, they mess up. They ought to, they ought to get some punishment. We talked, we talked about vengeance a few weeks ago. You know, we, we want them to, to be held accountable for, for what they've done, their sin. We aren't hopeful, nor do we even sometimes even wish for their forgiveness. But the truth is, I don't know about you, I, I don't want to be held accountable for my sin. I want grace. And so why in the world, as a recipient of grace, why in the world would I want anything different for anyone else? Why can't I just be happy with the words of the song that says, the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon receives? But really what is even more amazing is that even before the vilest offender truly believes, they have already been reconciled to God. Already he or she stands before God justified in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. Paul was clear that while we were dead in our transgressions, while we were dead in our sins and our sinning, that is when God gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Paul warned the followers of Christ in various cities around the countryside that he would travel to. He warned them about anyone coming after him who would deliver another so-called gospel. I want you to listen really carefully. Because when I say trust the gospel, this is what I'm talking about. Listen very carefully. If anyone, anytime, anywhere offers you what they call the gospel, and it's about you, It's about you and your obedience and your behavior and your performance in any little tiny way instead of being about Jesus' obedience and Jesus' behavior and Jesus' performer. It isn't the gospel no matter what they call it. It's not the gospel. Trust the gospel. There is no hope in you. There's no hope in me. And there is absolute hope in Jesus. And and. And then freely just tell people the good news, the gospel, and, and trust it to be true that God is no longer counting people's sins against them. Wow, that's good news. People in the church, I'm afraid the local church, the, the global church, are going to want you to believe in Christ and then exhaust yourself trying to perform, perform to a set of standards that they have set. You can confront them or you can ignore them, (laughs) you know. But for you, put all, all of your confidence in Jesus and none in you. None in you. Um, Recognize, recognize the reality of what William Temple said. He said, the only thing of my very own which I contribute to my redemption is the sin from which I need to be redeemed. Wow, that's it. 
that's our part to bring all of our failure and all the times we've missed the mark and all the tragedy and mess of all of our sin and drop it at the feet of Jesus. And he says to us, that's enough. You, you, you've done all you can do. You are indeed a mess. <laughs> you know, you, you've just dropped it here. I see it. So you're a mess. But listen, your mess, your sin, your fallen, your fallen failures, you're not keeping your promises, not following through on, on your promises and your word, uh, all of that, not following through on your, on your, on all the, the, the things you say you will do. Uh, that's all, um, all the times you disappointed yourself, you disappointed me. Jesus said, it's okay. Um, no, matter how, no matter the depth of the negative summary of your mess, with me, you score perfectly. Perfectly. Jesus says, well, who I am and what I've done perfectly, I give it to you. It's yours. You are perfect in me. You are perfect in in Christ. Wow. I don't know what is about humans, but we want to imagine that somehow the saved, uh, the rescued, the redeemed are part of the solution, but we are only part of the problem. Yeah. Salvation is always the work of the savior, not the saved. Rescue is always the work of the rescuer, not the rescued. Redeeming is needed because the person has gotten themselves in hawk and they can't get themselves out. They need to be redeemed. And it's the work of the redeemer, not the redeemed. In all of scripture, I've not found a better text that talks about our part in the redemption process, God's part in the redemption process, and the result of all of that. It's Titus chapter three, verses three to seven. It's so important that today I've made a little sheet with... Titus 3 through 7, it's by the offering baskets on the table as you leave, right by the takeaways. Please pick one up. Maybe put it to memory. It can be a reminder to you always to trust the gospel. Verse 3 starts with our part. The contribution to redemption. Like, like William Temple, the only thing I have to contribute to my own is the sin from which I need to be redeemed. It says this, once we too were foolish and disobedient. We were misled by others and, and became slaves to many wicked desires and evil pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy. We hated others and they hated us. That's our part. <laughs> it's really pretty easy, comes sort of natural. But then verses four, five, and six, you talk about all of our part and then it says, but then, but then God, our savior, showed us his kindness and love. He saved us. Not because of the good things we did, but because of his mercy. Because of his mercy. You know, he washed away our sins and gave us a new life through the Holy Spirit. He, he generously poured the Spirit on, out on us because of what Jesus Christ did, our Savior did. He declared us not guilty. Not because we're not guilty, but because of his great kindness. He declared us not guilty. 
And, and th- this is the gospel message that we have to share with the world, folks. There may be a bunch of good stuff that Christians practice. There may be a bunch of good stuff that we know and we hold that is true and helpful. But our message is the gospel that because of who Jesus is, because of what Jesus has done, there is the great good news of the gospel for all people. God is no longer counting people's sins against them. Because of his great kindness, he declares messed up, faulty, mark-missing people not guilty. Jesus has torn down every wall of division. He is our peace with God. And the result of the gospel comes in the last verse, verse 7. It's the unmerited favor of God. And now we know that we will inherit eternal life. Wow. Wow. Now we know that we will inherit eternal life. Uh, Live in the joy, live in the joy and the freedom of the gospel that is the good news because it isn't something you accomplish, but God's work. And he both began that good work in you and he will bring it to completion on the day that he makes all things new. The good news is that God is no longer counting people's sins against them because of Jesus things to remember, please, 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 please remember to trust the gospel. Hi, this is Randy McGray, podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church and our podcasts, Speaking of Grace and its companion, 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff, are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the Whole Life Takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. We discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians. All focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife.church slash podcast. And plan on spending every Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning with us as we bring you the Whole Life Church inspiration you love straight into your headphones. Thanks for listening and have a great week.